Hello, I'm Alma Schneider. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mother of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. And I am Iris Smeller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and the proud mother of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising children with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms, No Fluff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Moms, No Fluff, the podcast in which we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. My name is Iris Miller, and I'm here with my podcast partner, Alma Schneider. Hello, Alma. Hello, Iris. You want to introduce our topic and our guest? Yes, I would absolutely love to introduce our wonderful guest who has honored us with her presence here today to be interviewed, uh, my friend and excellent uh, disability advocate and author, May Lee. Welcome, Hi. May. Thank She's you. Talking about all sorts of wonderful things. Um, but to get started, May, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and your connection to disability. Um, well, I'm a Chinese American uh, from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Brooklyn okay. in heart, always. Um, <laughs> yay! <laughs> um, and, you know, even though we, I moved to Jersey, Brooklyn is always going to be home for us. Um, I'm uh, also a language arts teacher in the city, and I have a little person who's six years old, and he is autistic and G-tube dependent. Okay, so that definitely gives you a connection to disability <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> Um, so, do you want to maybe describe your son a little bit more for uh, our benefit so we kind of know your family a little bit better and also maybe explain how his disability affects your family? Um, so it was very hard to have Edward, <laughs> my baby. You know, I've always wanted a baby um, since I was little, you know, but it was really difficult to even have a child. And I think people don't talk about that sometimes, you know, he's like, I've had four pregnancies and he's the only one. Yeah. And um, and I think my husband wanted a baby, wanted a child, but he didn't want a child like I wanted a child, mm -hmm. um, you know. Um, so when we had him, it was a very difficult pregnancy and he was IUGR, you know, growth restricted in the womb. And so he was born a micropreemie. And um, I remember going to the gyno and he was like, um, I delivered three pound babies before and we're like, no, 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 no. We're looking like one pound at most, you know, and he came in at barely a pound at um, right under a pound size of a Poland spring bottle. If you think about it, a little bit smaller and it was just amazing that he made it, you know? Yeah. And so from the get go, we knew we were in for like this long journey. Um, he's, he was in the NICU for a very long time. He came home on oxygen support, you know, with a concentrator in the house. And, you know, we lived in Brooklyn. So we we lived in a, like a 500 square foot apartment with one bedroom and this concentrator took up like half the apartment and it heated up everything. So you, I'm sorry, what is a concentrator? I don't it's know. It's like an is. oxygen um, machine. Okay. So it's 24 oxygen, 24 hour oxygen. And he was on it. And then when we wanted to go out, we had to carry this portable tank. Wow. Um, one of the crazy, we're so like 
this tells you like how ignorant we were is like when we took him home from the hospital, he was on this portable oxygen tank and like in the Chinese culture, like if you're coming out of prison or the hospital or something, you kind of like burn incense to like get rid of all that bad luck and you kind of like walk over the fire. <laughs> so I'm carrying this baby and an oxygen tank and I did not think anything of it. And I walked right past the, the burning fire and my husband I was like, you just walked through fire with an oxygen tank and a baby. And it just wow. tells you, like, we just didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> um, you don't know what you don't know. Nobody no, told you. No. And it's just, you know, from there on, he was on, you know, we luckily he got stronger. We're no longer G-tube, de uh, I mean, uh, oxygen dependent, you know, but we didn't care. We took that oxygen tank. We went to the park. We went to the playground. We're like, here's my baby. I'm so proud he's alive, you know? Um, and um, and because of uh, his aspirations with feeding, uh, with eating, he um, he would get aspir silent aspirations and we didn't know why. You know, mm -hmm. because he wasn't showing any signs that he couldn't uh, take food. So uh, we had to do a lot of studies and then he got on the G-tube. So it's been six years on the G-tube and it was really difficult, really. You know, um, he was vomiting like 30 something times a day. We ended up, we were so smart, you know, we took the Chinese takeout trays and we just mm -hmm. like walk around the house, like waiting for him. And it was not just like a little burp, you know, it was like a projectile vomiting. So like lots of cleanup through the house and it was just a lot. Um, but that's the medical aspect of it. Right. And, and to be honest, I think that was the easy part. <laughs> um, I think when, once, you know, we discovered the autism, we were diagnosed with the autism. I think that was very emotional for us. Mm -hmm. And I think to, you know, for us, the medical was almost like trying to survive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when you're living in that survival mode, you don't think about anything else. You don't think about tomorrow. You don't think about the future. You think about the next minute. Mm -hmm. So when the autism diagnosis came, I think we had like a moment of like, okay, what do we do? What is it? What's going on? You know? And, um, but then once that settled, it just became this, you know, like, can we handle this? It was very scary because now it's not just a medical thing. You, we have to think about the future now, you know, and it's a different life. It's a different idea of what we thought life would be. Mm -hmm. um, there's a possibility for tomorrow now, and that possibility involves autism. Mm -hmm. And I think that hit my husband a lot. You know, like it hit him pretty hard because I think he could have handled knowing that my son, our kid has medical needs, right? But it was difficult for him to understand that like neurologically he will be different yeah. and society has a different perspective about that versus medical needs, you know? Yeah. So it was tough. You know, my husband is, and I asked permission before I'm sharing this, uh, my husband is diagnosed uh, with depression and anxiety, and it's it's difficult, and I have to learn that, yeah. you know, and that was very difficult. But through it all, I have to say, I am so blessed. We are so blessed, right? We have the community with Alma, with the, the, the Friday group, like that's 
it's such a support. And I don't think a lot of people have that um, for adults and parents. Um, but my parents are very supportive. You know, they I think they saw the the whole pregnancy process, you know, and and my dad is cute too. You know, my dad's very quiet. Um and we're all afraid of him, but he doesn't do anything. But we're just like afraid of him because he exists. I don't know. He like grunts and everybody like shivers, you know, like it's weird. But my mom's the one who like makes decisions for everything. But we just like, for some reason, he's just this guy that, you know, uh, that we we got to pay attention if he, he grunts. <laughs> so, but he was like the sweetest, like he says the most encouraging, sweetest things. And I did not expect it from him. You know, and he was like, this baby is going to be fine, you know, and he's like, when the baby came at, you know, six and a half months, he was like, oh, it's better that it's out of your womb. Now he has a chance of survival. <laughs> the wow. doctors will save him, you know, like, it was just surprising. It's amazing what, that. yeah, what, how some people just show up who, yeah, who, you know, in a different way than you anticipated. And uh, yeah, that's really beautiful. And that probably really strengthened you. I mean, it sounds like you've been through so much. I, I you know, I know you and I did not know about the the uh, miscarriages or the in, infertility. I don't know how you describe it, but that's that's a lot. And, you know, that is something that people don't talk about. And that's that is another layer. So it sounds like, you know, they, they were so happy that you had a baby. And, you know, that's that's. So, uh, hopefully that is what helped you know with your resiliency well no that's I you know I read a um so I follow a, a group on Facebook and like one of the the comments was like you know privilege I'm privileged to have this support of my mm -hmm. family who you know my dad had like a fifth grade education and my mom probably had barely that so and we're from a village in 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 China you know mm -hmm. and it's just amazing how sincere and good you know these humans are in my life and my sisters too I have four sisters um yeah. I know it's crazy I'm the middle child so I like I have to entertain everybody um but <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> listen <laughs> we're, we're like the best the middle child <laughs> and I don't know if everybody knows this you probably don't May and I went to the same high school we found out and uh she met her husband in our high school. Yeah. That's incredible. Exciting. So it sounds like you have had this long relationship with your husband. You know, you grew up with your husband in, in essence. So hopefully that provided, you know, some kind of a foundation for you to work, to jump off of when all of this came to be. Yeah. Um, he's he's pretty like amazing. You, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you really put it, you know, into perspective. Um, you know, everything's relative. Everything's relative. Um, but you mentioned about your Chinese background, and um, I know Ch Chinese New Year is approaching. Are there inclusive, like, are you able to be inclusive with your, it sounds like you're connected to your Chinese um, background. Do you, do you celebrate Chinese New Year with him uh, in an inclusive way, or is that something that's part of the Chinese culture to be inclusive? Um, I'm going to be honest, Chinese New Year is super loud. <laughs> like everything is noise, you know, like we have um, a New Year's reunion, a, a dinner right before, the, you know, like New Year's Eve, so to speak. January 22nd is the, the New Year. Um, so and that's a Sunday this year. Right. And um, 
So Saturday, we're planning to reunite the whole family, wherever we are, we need to come together. Um, and um, we're pretty strong in terms of like the sibling, usually it's the men's house, right? But you know, most of our husband's are okay with us all coming to the women's house so what <laughs> all at my mom's uh that's the plan to have a reunion dinner and the and it's when I was a kid I remember it was just like massive noise oh. you know like everybody's laughing and sometimes they're just having a conversation but it sounds like they're arguing and it's just but it's the excitement familiar. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you the, the Jewish um family and I feel like the Chinese family so they're they're so similar <laughs> yeah oh yeah so yeah we we are going to come together and we have a big meal you know we do everything pretty much cleaning together you know that's why there's so much noise but it brings the young and the old together and it's called a reunion dinner because everybody you know this is the end of the of the year and we kind of like reunite and close the year together because family is utmost important. Um, so that's pretty much, but in terms of inclusivity and, and like, you know, I don't know if it calls for it, but the second day of um, the first day of the new year, right? Like on Sunday, the 22nd, um, it's supposed to be a quiet day. Oh, okay. So you like, you get all this ruckus the night before, like we, you play cards and all candy and whatnot but mon the day after is kind of like you're resetting mm -hmm. you know you're starting the new year you don't wash your hair oh. um no because <laughs> it's a new year and you just came in the new year with all new clothes you know clean haircut and uh washed mm -hmm. hopefully bathed the day before so the second day, like the first day of the new year, it's like all the good stuff just came, you know? So you want to hold on to that. You don't want to wash it away. You don't want to sweep it away. You want to keep, keep it. So it's a quiet day. It's a vegetarian day. You know, we ate all this meat yesterday and drinks and whatnot. But on the first day of the new year, you're supposed to be kind of like humble and quiet. So I think that shift might be good for my son. You know, he'll have the noise and rowdiness and then he'll have the quiet the next day. May, I want to ask you just because you have the privilege, as we said, like of growing up in American culture, but being originally from the Chinese culture. Can you tell us a little bit about how those two cultures compare maybe in terms of the relationship or approaches, the attitudes towards people with disabilities, good and bad? Like what, what do you feel about those? Mm. I don't really feel like culturally, you know what, the Chinese culture tends to be quiet about their issues, right? Like anything that they have that is not normal um, is silenced. So if- She put you know, quotes up there for, for those of you not watching, she put air quotes for normal. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, it's, it's not, um, you don't kind of like tell people about your business so to speak right you you um so my son i think for the you know they knew that he had medical needs but i think the autism my mom kind of like held it in a little bit you know and she didn't really want to talk about it and she didn't 
want to educate, but my mom is good because she's, you know, when she retired, the Department of Aging offered like uh, computer lessons for people and stuff like that in the city. And she took advantage of all that. She's like tech savvy. Um, so she knows how to like search online and go on her WhatsApp and look for information and stuff. And she self, you know, she researched information about her grandson. It's a diagnosis and she kind of like understands. And she sometimes when my dad said something, you know, um, I don't want to use the word ignorant, but like when he said something that is not appropriate, right. Um, then she would tell him like, oh, cause she, she kind of raised him, you know, she, she was with the babysitter. So she knew exactly what he can and cannot and what's difficult for him and so forth, you know? And so she, she's like his advocate, you know, to all the family members. So yeah. she, she kind of fights for that, but I feel like that's really my mom. I don't know if like culturally everybody does this in, in the Chinese tradition because I was a little disappointed when we had the the parade or the special needs parade. Oh, the and there were, pride parade. Yeah, and there was not a lot of Asian representation, right? Like, and I'm like, I know <laughs> there are children <laughs> or adults, you know, who are Asian and yeah. who have a disability, where are okay. you? Like, you know, they yeah. hide themselves and they're mm -hmm. not comfortable. And maybe because of the middle child uh, upraising, like I'm pretty yeah. loud. And <laughs> and I, I believe, and also as an educator, I mm -hmm. believe, you know, you will never be seen unless mm -hmm. you're visible. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the more that we are invisible, the more likely we will continue to not be understood or or accepted or welcomed. Yeah, it's very important. And, you know, I see you as such a, a strong advocate that, um, you know, it's a, you're not just a Chinese American. You're also, you're an educator, as you mentioned, and you're a middle child. You have all these other facets that, you know, bring, bring, all these wonderful skills and characteristics. So um, on that note, I would like to talk about a wonderful piece of ad advocacy uh, that I got to personally witness um, that you have written a book. And I'd like you to tell us a little bit about the book that you created. Um, so last year, uh, it was very difficult for us because I think that's when you know we kind of confronted my husband's depression. Mm -hmm. And, um, and part of it is because we kind of like finally entered in the realm of independence, if that makes sense, because we've been living with my mom and she's supporting oh, okay. us and helping us, you know, and it's the first time we're living, it's not with our, we live together, just the two of us before our mm -hmm. son, but once we had our son, we had my mom's support, you know, and the family and everything. Mm -hmm. But then we, um, moved and it was time for us to be independent. And I think it was very scary for my husband, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of like start this venture together on our own um, mm -hmm. in a new place. And I think the depression was building prior since mm -hmm. the since our first loss of the baby, you know, mm -hmm. like seven years ago, and no one really addressed it, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and it was really tough then. Um, but that's where the book came in. So I just want to like premise that because um, the the book was the place for us, for me, because, you know, when you're a supporter of somebody who's depressed, you have needs too. 
mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to be that person. So anyway, there's so many elements that came into this, but primarily um, it was nearing Chinese New Year last year and like December and I was researching and I was kind of upset that I couldn't find one single story that I can get from the library that does not talk about what I eat and what I do on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, there's no figurative language. There's no plot development. I'm an English teacher. I want to teach literary elements, plot mm-hmm. development, character analysis through Lunar New Year aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So I tasked um, a friend of mine and my husband to compose a short story of no more than 300 words because I, it's like one day lesson. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they all wrote theirs, right? One person wrote like a whole chapter book. I was like, you're useless for me. I can't use this book for, for and it's incomplete, but it was a great book and I hope she finished. And then my husband wrote it, but I had to like kick his butt to get it finished. So I finished mine, but I did mine in like 35 minutes on the train ride home. And it just mm-hmm. poured into me, you know, the story, the plot, everything because of my son, mm-hmm. right? I started with the character of a tiger and I'm like, what's, you know, what problem would it have and so forth? And I'm like, it's funny because your world becomes your child, you know, and everything that he needs and everything that you learned about him, um, that's your new world, right? Mm-hmm. And so his big thing is about speech, you know, he, his communication, he's nonverbal, um, but he's so strong-willed. And um, so my little tiger story is about the little tiger um, finding, you know, power within to be able to communicate, but in his own way, you know? So, and I want people to see that, you know, so the story ends with uh, the little tiger finding his own hello to greet people and he growls and mm-hmm. everybody in his community growls back in greeting. So <laughs> they kind of like accept him, you know, and and that's like the h- hidden symbolism in the story, which I can feel I feel like as a language teacher, I can bring in to talk about symbolism in a story as well. So that's where the story came from and how we started. But it's. Um, were all illustrators of the story. Um, and I didn't want to publish the book until one day I was hanging out with my son and it was just me and him. And I wanted him to practice OT, you know, cause you're always trying to do something, right? Um, and he doesn't want to play with me, you know, like he wants to do his thing. So I was like, come on, let's draw a picture, you know, let's try something. So um, he picked up these like dot markers Mm-hmm. and he just like stamp 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 and I was like oh gosh this is the scene <laughs> from my book you know and it was just like so appropriate I took his dots of purple and green and I made the river the magical mm-hmm. river in my story and then I was like John join the story and like so it became <laughs> like a three-person family project and this year is similar concept, but this year is going to be the rabbit and it's going to be uh, the the rabbit's first stand. So I'm including, so last year Edward was able to do dots, right? This year he wrote numbers. Oh, Can you, are you celebrating with me? Yes, you are, right? That's amazing. <laughs> I know. So um, so I used some of his writing. I mean, like it looks like chicken scratch, but you can tell yeah. it's a nine and mm-hmm. the eight, whatever. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like psyched, you know? Yeah. So I'm including 
hidden in the story. You know, I post John, John is also creating character and I'm doing the layout and everything. So it's like a family project, you know? That's so that's where and we are. Publish it. So let's go, let's rewind a second. You did publish the first one. Yes. Yes. Correct. And uh, we definitely want to know, you know, at the end, I want to know where everyone can purchase this book, but it's a really beautiful book. I have a copy of it and it's got wonderful illustrations and, you know, you mentioned uh, how, you know, he growls and everyone growls back. It's not just that they're accepting him, they're engaging with him. And he's a part of the whole picture, which, you know, so it's so beautiful to hear that his dots became a part of the book. He's a part of the whole project, just like in the book. He's, you know, he's a, he's a member. He's not yes. just being, you know, tolerated or accepted. Yeah. Sorry. It also kind of uh, the principle that I like most about communication is that we don't need to only teach our children how to communicate with everybody else. It's everybody mm -hmm. else needs to learn how to communicate with our children. And the fact that in the story you managed to teach everybody else in the village to growl back, <laughs> to use his language to communicate with him is uh, the most wonderful thing in my opinion. And I want to maybe, if it's okay with you, Alma, skip a question just as we're talking about community here. Yeah, uh, sure. I, I want to ask you, May, how do you feel about, you know, what can the community do to change, to improve, to be more inclusive of your son and in general for people with disabilities? Um, I think ask questions, right? Like ask. Um, uh, I'm just going to give a shout out to Nancy, Nancy Lou. She's a beautiful human and she she always wants to, she's in the EATS group, but she uh, has a group to kind of bring community together. And she's from day one has asked me, how can I make this eating club inclusive to include your son into this? She asked me, you know, and not a lot of people ask that question. Like how, like don't presume, you know, because if you met one autistic child, one child with a G-tube, that's how they might function and their needs are. But my kid is different. You know, we have other difficulties and other um, uh, abilities, you know. And so be aware of that. Just ask a question. And, and that's what I love about, like, my community, right? Everybody asks questions, even if they're they're kind of scared or they're not um comfortable or they don't know how to execute right but the the first initial thing I think is just showing me that you care about my son's needs and my needs actually because it were a unit right like because in order for me to support him I need to be addressed also <laughs> so to know that you know, you know, we're, we're planning a trip recently and my friends were like, oh, we want to go away and do all these things. So I was like, um, what does Edward need to kind of be comfortable? And I was like, I need a pool. <laughs> <laughs> I need a pool and I need a playground, right? Uh, preferably trampoline. I'll bring that myself. But like just asking that question and then being open to it, you know, and then also comes back from me too, not just a person. I feel like it's a parallel relationship always. Um, I can't expect other people to stop their lives to accommodate mine, you know, because so 
it's important for me to not get upset if I'm not included. It's important for me to understand like they have children, they have needs also. And I need to respect those needs and I need to ask their questions of how we can both, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy the space together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned Nancy. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's the second time I interfere in the middle of a sentence. Go ahead, Alma. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that Nancy, um, yes, ha has this wonderful group. Um, and there, there's another group in our town, as there is elsewhere, the um, Asian American Pacific Alliance, Pacific Islanders um, group. And I know that you've been involved in that group and you helped, you know, them get come to the parade and represent uh, or suggested that they attend. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering how uh, I know that there's been a lot of anti-Asian sentiment because of COVID and, you know, I'm just thinking about all the layers of challenges and if that has been something that has added an extra layer to your already challenging, sometimes challenging life with, with your son, with your family, having to do with disability. Um, you know, so I'm from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, and we're heavily, and I think one of the, the um, news uh, reports was that there was an elderly lady she's just minding her business walking down the block and someone threw like some sort of like fire thing and it lit her shirt on fire it's crazy you know yeah, and that was like funny. literally two blocks around the corner from my sister's house wow. um and it just you know it's funny because it, some of these things happen and you think about who's most important to you right I, I didn't care about my sister all I cared about was my mother <laughs> <laughs> and I was like yeah. yeah and I was like oh my goodness I was just so livid you know and it's just so close to home and nothing I feel like sometimes when we read the news it's like so distant and mm -hmm. you don't think about it but once it's yeah. like around the corner right yeah. that makes a difference yeah and you take it more personal mm -hmm. so you know we try to tell my mom to like don't go out as often and the fear is just a fear yeah. factor you know and just being cautious and things like that mom didn't care she was like I'm going to the bus I'm going to have tea with my friends I gotta go dancing she's so busy so <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's why I was worried about her because she's like a teenager and she forgot she's like 60 something 70 years old so <laughs> yeah yeah well that's clearly where you get your uh your your power from or at least part of it from your from your amazing I, mom sounds like but yeah. I love the fact that you know you're not letting you know I really respect you because you you don't sit in, at home and just worry about yourself you're you are getting active and advocating for other issues in your life and that's you know you're not just a mom of a kid with a disability you have a life and you want to advocate for other things as well so I you know our hats are tipped to you um for, for the advocacy work that you do, because it's it's very important. And uh, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, the whatever, I'm gonna botch this. And, and injustice anywhere is an injustice to all of us. And um, it's true, it's true. We all have to be there for each other in, in all different kinds of ways. Um, I guess, Iris, you wanna say something? I wanted to ask you kind of, as you are kind of mentioning being worried about your mother and uh, 
the the effects of uh, the negative vibes in our society i want to move back to the chinese new years and uh, ask you what are you wishing for yourself for your family for your child for the new year um there's a we usually say phrases in chinese like four four character phrases and it's always positive so like i'll call my dad and I'll be like uh good health to you or you know it, it's very generic but like it's a popular thing to do so i guess good health and okay. uh there's a phrase about you know may all your dreams come true for the new year you know and then we can revisit it at the reunion dinner to make sure that it did <laughs> and if it didn't we'll laugh about it you know <laughs> That's so nice. And what, you know, going back to disability, I guess, and this is what we like to ask people, what would you tell parents who are just getting a diagnosis? Like if you could go back to your, your younger self, when all of these things happened, what, what, is there something that stands out um, that gave you, that you wish you had known back in the beginning? Um that you'd like to share with other people to kind of ease their, ease their pain or suffering or I think, feelings. I think, you know, people say things like, oh, this is your child. You love it no matter what and stuff like that. I'm just going to say it's okay to grieve. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's okay to say, you know, this is not what I envisioned. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to go on vacation before there too, so we can take advantage of the free flights for two-year-olds, you know, like <laughs> I wanted to do all that stuff, you know, and I want to play, you know, I also wanted a girl, but, um, <laughs> the, you know, just grieve for what you thought mm -hmm. your tomorrow was going to be. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just keep shoving down my husband's throat that, oh, be grateful this is yeah. your child, love him, da, 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 da. There's no question that my husband loves my child, right? Like, I think he loves my child more than I do. He was there from day one. I had the preeclampsia. I was out for like three days, you know? My husband was by himself in the NICU watching this 440 gram who lost weight after wow. birth. You know, he was like 300 something grams. And he was alone yeah. in the NICU, you know? for at least two days and I was in denial when I became lucid again and honestly I didn't cry until like day four so uh for the first time so it's just I think when you hold those emotions and I think grieving is important knowing that and letting that go you know once you go through that process and then you get angry at life and then you can like accept it and embrace it and I think my husband is in a good place where he's in the kind of like middle of all three ground of like grieving acceptance and anger at the same time right now. And I think that's healing, you know, and when he wasn't addressing all these emotions, we felt it. Yeah. Edward felt it. I felt it like it was very exhausting, mm -hmm. you know, so let those emotions occur and accept it. And everybody, you know, you're making a good point that everybody uh, comes to that, you know, at, at their own pace. Like there's no set time, you know, to do this. Um, it's important, you know, to get help immediately if you're, you know, really um, struggling. But some things come out later and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's natural depending on who the person is, what they've been through in their life. And there's no guidebook to grieving 
and getting through it. It's really personal. So, you know, I come in and do, we both do, I'm sure for, for, for being there for your husband, it's a lot, you know, to be there for, to understand it and to, to work with him. It sounds like, you know, it's not perfect, but you're working, you're working to make the family, you know, function, function better and be as happy as they can be. And you're acknowledging all the steps that that's going to take. Like it takes, you have to grieve. It's, you know, we talk about that all the time, how, if you don't grieve, it will come out in myriad ways. And it's so important to do that. And I also want to point out something that you mentioned about the, um, <clears throat> that it just reminded me of a lot of people who have experienced infertility um, or miscarriages or uh, stillborns, what have you, when they have a baby that has a disability or even a, a neurotypical baby um, who's challenging, people say, well, we'll just be grateful that you have a baby. You know what? It's still hard. Even having a baby, yeah. you know, you know, it's not, that doesn't eliminate all the grieving, the need for grieving or, you know, feeling the pain and the suffering just because you didn't have a baby at all before. And so that's something that I, I know for a lot of people um, that that's, that can be extra painful for people to feel like I should just be grateful that I have a baby because I tried for so long and it didn't happen no matter what this baby is like. And that's not, that's not reality. And a lot of people don't acknowledge it. And a lot of people go out of their way to say, well, you know, be grateful that you have a baby. That's <laughs> I am grateful, right? Yes, but at the but same it time, it's so hard. Exactly. It dismisses, it, It you know, it doesn't acknowledge your your process. So um, I just wanted to add that because, you know, I hear a lot about that. That's like uh, they say, you know, oh, at least you have services. Oh, wonderful. These uh, exactly. therapists that you have and oh, look what how far he come. I said, that's nice. Thank you so much. And I appreciate it, you know, and sometimes yeah. and, and it depends on my mood. I feel like one day I'm like, oh, I embrace this. Thank you. I feel the same way. Right. Another day and I'm going to be like. Just over there, like, yeah. you know, it's just quiet. I don't need to hear it. <laughs> and, that, and that's all acceptable too. Uh, so big question. Where can we buy your book? Um, Amazon. <laughs> I definitely want to get number two. You go. Yes. It's going to be, you know, I'm very like impatient. So there are 12 animals in the Zodiac. Right. And mm -hmm. I already spoke to John. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do 12. It seems like a lot, you know, and <laughs> And this is my personality. Like I get all passionate about that, but Amazon will have it. We're book two with the rabbit. It's coming out and I'm dedicating the book to my favorite nephew. Oh, I said that out loud. I have two nephews. I shouldn't say that. Oh. Um, <laughs> one of the two favorites. One of the one two of, well, they won't know. Yeah, they do. Okay. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Um, he's, you know, he's a rabbit and, um, and I adore him. He's my first baby. Um, so I hope that he, for him, I hope he finds his dreams this year because I'm actually hoping he'll get married so I can go to a party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the name of the book? What's the name um, of the first book? And what's Rabbit, the name of the so this one's called Rabbit's First Stand. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be all like relationship and, you know, it's going to have all the, the themes throughout all the series. It's going to be about, you know, related to and it's going to be about rabbit standing up for you know herself but um to someone who's bigger but considered a friend you know and those are the tough conversations you have right and it kind of comes back to kind of you know our our disability uh world where 
sometimes it's hard to stand up to your friend and say, no, don't do this, you know, and you'll be surprised when you do, because your friends will be there. Your friends will understand and your friends will help you and they will enjoy this new future with you, you know? And so that's kind of like the message is to like, you know, um, you're small, you might feel you're small in this world, but, but it's okay to have these strong emotions and strong beliefs and you need to voice them because you'll be surprised how society, we, we keep thinking society doesn't support us sometimes, right? Because we're so stressed and like, there's so much against us. But through this community, you know, with the Friday group and like, just support, I found the world is beautiful. There are so many more beautiful, I think one of the episodes you guys talked about, right? Like one of the journeys you encounter so many important people who support you. And you find that the world is like, wow, there's so many nice people in this world and they will break a leg to help you. And you're like, I don't even know you. You're just part of this group, right? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's the silver. I believe that's our silver linings episode, which I personally think is my favorite because it's it, it's very meaningful. It, I think it's it like one of your first one. ones. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Right, Iris? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. May, I want to tell you that uh, I didn't meet you before. So today was my first interaction and introduction to your life. And I'm so, so grateful that I got to be in this interview because I learned so much from you today. Uh, You're able to see the different layers of so many situations and see the positive in very, very difficult uh, times. And I really appreciate you sharing your story and being out there for people to see, learn, and know so they can change their approaches and uh, our world can hopefully become a better place. And I really thank you for taking the time to be here today. Before we end, is there anything else that you want to say that we didn't ask you and you want to share with our listeners? Um, No, but thank you for having me. You know, I'm a talker, so I love to chat. <laughs> awesome New York accent that just makes me filled with joy. <laughs> That's I because you hear- miss New York. <laughs> I miss New York, but I love hearing New York accent. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, May. And uh, I'll see you on Friday, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> the Friday uh, group. <laughs> uh, That's tough, but good to see you here, at least. Yes. All right. Take care. Have Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I really would put the links uh, for uh, May's book on our um, podcast on uh, both, uh, I think, the description and, of course, on our Facebook group. If you guys have questions for May, please use our Facebook group to interact with May, or you can ask questions through our website, Two Moms No Fluff. And we appreciate everybody for joining us today, especially May Lee for sharing her story. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.